once again, happy Mother's Day to all of you ladies out there, to you that are moms, and to those of you who maybe aren't moms, but you love us all the same, and you care for us, and, uh, and in so many ways, our moms, um, we just want to say happy Mother's Day to you. And uh, we've been talking about becoming more like the church that you read about in the book of Acts and, and about having the goal, of, especially this year, of finding fellowship when fellowship has been so foreign to us lately and to live out what it is to be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we said last week that we can't do any of those things without love. And so we've been doing just this short series this month on what love is, and it's defined pretty well in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And Paul says this, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he goes into this, and I challenged you last week as we do this series, verses four, five, six, and seven, memorize it. It's good verses to memorize. And so we're going to read this, and I'm going to ask you to read these next verses through verse seven with me. It's on the screen behind me. Let's read it together. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. He goes on and says, love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood Hood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So last week we talked about the fact that love is patient, or, or it says it's long-suffering. And that while you're suffering long with some people, while you're being patient, that you're also being kind, that love is patient and kind, that those two go together in that verse. But then he pretty quickly switches over to what love isn't. And I, I don't know if you've ever tried to explain something and have kind of found that sometimes it's easier to explain what something isn't rather than what it is. 
And that's what Paul does here, starting in verse 4, and that's what we're going to be digging into today. He says that love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. So to break it down, real simple, love, real love, Christian love, it's not about you. Love is about what I can give of myself. Lust, and we're not talking sexual even lust, but of course that, that is true too, but, but lust is all about what I can get. What can you give me? But love is not about me. Back in my, my youth pastor days, I used to do message from, messages from this passage and say, if you're dating someone and, and the words that Paul uses doesn't describe your relationship, like, girlfriend, you need to get a new man. And, because if that's not who he is in the relationship, or dude, if you are dating her and, and what I just read doesn't sound like her, you need to find somebody else. Because if those things don't describe the relationship, when you get married someday, you're going to have problems. Now, if you're married and that describes your spouse, well, you already said I do, so, it, but I will remember, I will remind you that love is patient and love is kind and it always bears with and it always perseveres. And marriage counseling is a worthwhile investment. And, and I say that sort of jokingly, but it's absolutely true. If, if you have, if you're reading through this and going like, wow, that, that doesn't sound like my marriage, invest in your marriage. It's not a weakness, it's a strength to say, my marriage is important enough that we need to work on it. But here's the thing, and, and maybe, maybe you're not like me, maybe, maybe you, know, you don't need Jesus as much as I do, but so often I'll read a passage like this and think, well, so-and-so, they're, they're not very loving. Uh, see, I'm right, that person that, that says they're a Christian, but, but love doesn't do those things, so uh, I was right, they're not a very good Christian. Or, you know, you're sitting there, and I'm reading that stuff, and you're going, yeah, that's right, pastor, preach that, because so-and-so needs to hear that. I hope my husband is listening today, because love is not rude. Mm-hmm. It's real easy to think that the word pertains to them and that this is a good sermon for them. And it's easy to get that way instead of thinking, I wonder what God wants to speak to me through this. And I, and I just know I can get that way sometimes. So maybe let's just take a second real quick and pray and say, Lord, what, what do you want to speak to me through your word right now? What, what do I need to learn from this? So let's pray. 
Father, I just pray that today your word would be living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and that it would cut us, cut me, that, Father, you would uh, search us and know our hearts and show us any offensive way in me. Help, it, help us not to think about, oh, this is for this person or that person, but, but Father, I just pray that you would speak to us, to me, through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So first, I, I want to go back to what we talked about last week, that Paul says that if we do all of these good things, but we don't do them with love, that it's just noise. It's, a, it's annoying. It's worthless. It's a, a banging and clanging. So, so let's, let's dig into this a little bit. First, he says, love does not envy. Love doesn't feel discontent because something has something that you don't have. Envy is translated from the word covetousness, which is Ten Commandments, by the way. That if you're upset that they have something and you don't have that, in that moment, you're not being very loving. Envy comes from thinking about yourself ahead of someone else, ahead of the person that you're supposed to be loving. He says, love does not boast that it doesn't brag. It's translated from the word to vaunt, which I didn't even know what vaunt meant, so I had to look that up. And basically the idea is this, that it, is, it kind of sounds like vault, like pole vaulting. It's to lift yourself up above someone else, to put yourself up on a higher plane, to talk about or show what makes you better than somebody else. What makes you better than the other person? And, and we can do that in different ways. A lot of times when you think bragging, you think about words that we're saying or, or how we're putting somebody down. But it can also be acted out. You, you know people that can portray, oh, I'm better than you. But love does not do that. But then as so often as the Bible often does is he it talks about the outward what what we do out here but then it turns it in on on our heart and he it says love is not proud that it isn't arrogant it might say that in your translation that it isn't puffed up that it doesn't inflate the idea of who i am Where love does not boast is outward that I'm better than so-and-so because pride or arrogance thinks about how I am better than that other person. It goes back to, to what we just talked about a couple minutes ago. That if I'm sitting there and thinking, I hope they hear this because they need to hear this. That's not love. And, and all that does is create noise, banging, 
gong, clanging cymbal. When we go into a relationship with that attitude of even if we're not speaking it out, if we're going into that relationship with that attitude of I am better than them because it's not going to have love. It, the love is not going to be there and it will come out somehow. It will, it will seep out of you. And pretty soon that relationship, it's just going to be full of noise. He says, love is not rude, which means love is not, I looked it up, uncomely, which I didn't, again, didn't know what that meant, so I had to look that up. I spend a lot of time looking things up. Not keeping with what is right or proper with being polite. It's not rude. And you have to give people some grace. Because what's rude in one circle isn't rude in another circle. I can go to some people's house and I can sit there and sit with my elbows on the table and eat and talk while I eat. And uh, no big deal. I might come to somebody else's house, and if I do that, then I've, you know, been uncomely. You know, and in this culture, in this world that we live in, navigating what is rude and what is polite, it's, it's a difficult thing to do. And especially in a world that so often looks opposed to what maybe our Christian values are. But you come over here in the world and things that we hold and believe as true seem like it is rude. And so we have to do a very careful job. We have to prayerfully stay close to Jesus so that we can still love people that we may not fully agree with so that we can show love and not be rude because, again, something in our circle that nobody thinks of as rude over here is. And if we want to love them well, if we want to show them love, we can't be rude. We still have to hold on to truth, but we have to be able to love them. And so... We can't, we have, love, our love can't be rude. It doesn't behave in a way that is unbecoming. It does not dishonor other people. And you can be doing the right thing, but if in the process you dishonor the other person, the person that you're trying to help won't feel loved. And then it's just going to be banging and clanging again. And I've been in situations like that. I've, I've done those things with my kids and, and stuff like that where it's like, I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to teach you to do the right thing. But if, I am, if they feel dishonored while I'm doing that, then it's just they turn me off because it's just noise to them. So as we approach situations, as we approach people, learning to 
do it in a way that makes sure that they don't feel dishonored because no matter how helpful we are trying to be, if they don't feel honored by us, if they feel that we are being rude, then it just becomes noise. It's worth nothing. He says love is not self-seeking, that it doesn't insist on its own way. Translation from the original Greek, that it, it does not seek to worship oneself. Love doesn't try to get ahead of the other person. The moment that you put somebody else's needs above someone else's, you've stopped loving them in that moment. The moment that you switch gears and you're thinking about me, what can I get? Uh, again, this lust idea of what do, I, what do I get out of this? What do, I, what do I want? The second that you switch that, in that moment, you've become unloving towards whoever it is. I remember when I was a teenager, I was over at my buddy's house and we were, da- and we were both dating at the time. I was dating Bethany and he was dating his going-to-be wife. And she came over after she got off of work, and he said, hey, make me some eggs. I'm hungry. And she said, she said no, you know, I'm not, I'm, I just got off work. I'm tired. I don't feel like making eggs. And he said, he said well, if you're not going to make me eggs, you can just leave. And I thought, I thought he was joking, honestly, and so I started laughing. And he's like, no, I'm serious. If you're not going to make me eggs, he's like, then there's no point in you being here. Just go home. And she said, well, I just don't want to make eggs right now. And he said, fine, then go. And I, I was, and quick, quickly it went from like funny because I thought he was joking to like real uncomfortable and a different kind of laughter. Like, <laughs> oh, like it got real uncomfortable real fast. And they got married and then they got divorced. But there was that self-seeking there. He got remarried. He's doing better now. He, he learned his lesson. Uh, he's grown since then, so that, that's good. He says, love is not easily angered, that it's not easily provoked. It's not easily exasperated. Those times when you have a, a short fuse with your kid or your spouse or your coworker or whomever, you're not acting in love. If you find yourself getting angry about something, uh, about something somebody did or something uh, that happened and, and you respond in anger, you're not responding in love. And anytime you find yourself just with that, like, flash temper, even if, if it's not out, coming out, but just in your head, you just go from zero to 60 in, like, a half a second, you need to stop because whatever's going to happen next isn't going to be in love. I, I mean, I had this happen just a few days ago. I, I wasn't loving my dog well, uh, and my, my kids were quick, quick to point it out. But I said, you know, come on, let's go down to the basement because we were getting ready to leave. And he, you know, went the other way. And I yelled a little bit and he, and he peed a little bit. And then I yelled a little bit more because he peed. And, 
and the more I yelled and the louder I yelled, the more he peed, and it was just this downward spiral of urine and yelling, and it, it just wasn't good. Because I wasn't, uh, in that moment, nothing was happening in love. And, and, but, and the same thing is true with us in our relationships, is that when we do that, when we respond quickly, it might not be done in love. If your kid does something and you're instantly infuriated, be careful because what you do next might not be in love. Uh, a great verse for, for parenting is James 1.20. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. And that... I, I remind myself of that a lot. That it doesn't matter how wrong they are, if it's made me mad and I start yelling at them, that's not going to produce the righteousness in them that, that I'm trying to get. That human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Love is not easily angered. Matt, Matt Miller who some of you know goes to a lot of times first service. He says, every time that one of his kids make me, he said, anytime any of my kids make me just want to throw them through the wall, he's like, he's like I stop and I, I take 24 hours and pray about it. He's like, because I will respond differently 24 hours later than I will in that moment. And that's something that God is continually teaching me. That there is very little that I have to respond to right now. That if something happens and I'm really angry about it or upset about it, and, and maybe even rightly so, sometimes it's better to say to one of my kids or, or to a, whatever the situation is, and especially, you know, it's a little bit different when they're three years old and they're not going to remember five minutes from now what happened and you kind of have to respond, again, not in anger but in love in the moment. But especially now that my kids are older or, you know, with, with adults or whatever this situation is, if something happens and you're really upset about it, sometimes it's better to say to my kids, what you did was wrong. What you did will have consequences, but I'm going to take 24 hours to think about it and pray about it, because if I don't, I'm going to throw you through the wall. And if I sleep on it, if I take 24 hours, I'll see it a little bit differently. I'll see it. I won't do it in anger, and I'll go, okay, now this is what needs to happen. Love is not easily angered. When you're easily angered, what comes next is not loving. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love doesn't carry resentment. It's translated, if you look at the Greek translation, love does not keep an inventory of bad things, an inventory of, of harmful, wicked, evil things. 
When you get into an argument and that person does something and you instantly pull out your, you know, pull up your, their file in your mind and, and tell them, well, you did this this time and that that time and this that this time. And you're bringing up past sins to use against them. That's not love. When you carry that being upset with someone for something that they did in the past, it makes it very hard to love them in the present. You hear people say different times, I don't know if I could ever forgive them for that. Well, love keeps no record of wrongs. You know, you hear people say, I don't know if I could ever forgive that. That's going to make it hard to love that person. That's going to, it's at least going to put somewhat of a barrier between you and that person. That you're never going to be able to fully love them like you need to be or should be able to love them. But probably it will just make it hard to love them, just period. Love keeps no record of wrongs. 1 John 4.20 says, For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. What if you take out does not love and put in keeps record of wrongs? Because love does not keep record of wrongs. So what if you switch the two? For Whoever keeps record of wrongs against their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That cuts me a little bit. Really, it comes down to forgiveness. Remember, Jesus said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. That one always causes me to step back a little bit. If you're keeping someone's record of wrongs, you have not fully forgiven them. And that puts you in a dangerous spot. And it's one thing to remember it. Some of you have been hurt in ways that you're never going to be able to forget. And that's the way we're wired. We remember things, uh, big traumatic things. We remember them. But the question is, are you keeping that record? Are Are you keeping account of it and reminding yourself of what they have in their account? that they owe you. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Whose account do you need to cancel so that you can love them again? Because until you do, until you cancel the record, you can say you love them, you can say you forgive them, but the Bible says otherwise. 
verse 6, he says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. That love isn't happy when people do bad or evil things. And, and that happens in our culture. Doesn't it? We, we take pleasure in vices. We find pleasure in things we shouldn't. You'll hear people say, oh, I know I shouldn't watch that, but oh, I know I shouldn't do this, but but I always read verse 6 and, and kind of went, well, yeah, like, duh. Like, love does not re- delight in evil. Well, you know, if I love my wife and something evil happens to my wife, well, yeah, no, duh, I shouldn't rejoice in that. But as I dug into that this week, there was a, a part to that that I hadn't thought about before that, that God really said, and that's what you need to work on. Uh, one of the commentaries I, I read says this. It expanded my idea of love And it really expands the idea of love keeps no record of wrongs. This is from Barnes Notes on the New Testament. He says, Love does not desire that an enemy, a persecutor, or a slanderer should do evil, which again, duh, or should disgrace or ruin himself, that evil should happen to them. It does not rejoice but grieves when a professor of religion or an enemy of religion, when, when a personal friend or a foe has done anything wrong. It neither loves the wrong nor the fact that it has been done. Now, that convicted me a little bit because I don't know about you, but when bad things happen to bad people, I kind of take pleasure in that. When somebody who has wronged me has something bad happen to them, I kind of like to think it's divine vengeance. Well, God's just teaching them a lesson. Because I wanted that. Why? Usually because I've kept a record of wrong. When... And we do that all the time. Somebody, you know, you see somebody in the news, you know, he, he ripped off a bunch of people in some big Ponzi scheme. People lost millions. People, you know, committed suicide. People did all these, you know, they, they like have had their lives destroyed. That guy goes to prison. That guy gets shanked in prison. And you go, well, that's what happens. I'm, you know, and there's a part of you that's kind of like, yeah, like he kind of deserved it. It's funny how often Christians believe in karma, which is a whole different religion. Love does not delight in evil. Even if it's evil happening to somebody we don't like. But it rejoices in what is true. And true there is not just 
truth as in the correct words, the facts of the matter, but it's what's true, what's, what's noble, and what's pure. Again, Barton says the word truth here stands opposed to iniquity. It means virtue, piety, goodness. It does not rejoice in vices, but virtues of others. It's pleased. It rejoices when they do well. That, that it rejoices when truth, when virtue shines through people because what is virtuous is Jesus. So even when the person is a terrible person, even when it's a murderer, even when it's, when it's somebody who you don't like that you work with that you know that they're stealing paper clips and stuff from the office. I mean, they're the people that talk about everybody else behind their back. But when, when, but love, when something good shines through all of their stuff you don't like, it rejoices because love rejoices at truth, at trueness. Love does not delight when bad shines through in people. Love delights when Jesus shines through in people. Philippians 4.8, it's, it's Philippians 4.8 in people. He, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What if we did that with the people that we worked with and the people that we went to school with and the people that we didn't really like? Instead of thinking about their record of wrongs, oh, I don't like this person because of this and this and this and this and they're a jerk and they did this and they did that. What if we just focused on whatever was true, whatever was noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. What if we thought about those things with those people? That's what love does. Think about those things in people, not their wrongs, not the evil in them, because love doesn't delight in evil. It, re it rejoices in truth. Not hoping for divine retribution, but love rejoices in all the truth that is in them. That's where we're going next week, where we go into ver the, the next verse. And, that, but we're, and we're sort of jumping off from there. But in, in the meantime, I have homework for you this week. Make a list. Go ahead and make a list of your record of wrongs that you hold against people. Think about all the people that annoy you, that make you mad, that you don't really like, the problem that you have with this guy or that guy or that girl or whatever. And I mean, you got the record in your head, so you may as well write it down. And then next week, we're going to talk about what it looks like when we don't rejoice in the evil in them and, and meditate on that. But when we think about the good and we're going to give you an opportunity to cancel their record, to throw it away, we'll take it and burn it. I won't read it, I promise. 
to cancel their record of wrongs, not the evil in them. Instead, holding on to the fondness of, of them. We're going to let Jesus shine through, hopefully, in us. And as we close this morning, I just want to remind you that what does the Bible say in 1 John? We talked about it last week, that God is love. That all of these things that are love that we read about, Jesus is those things. That all of those things that are not love, Jesus is never those things. I don't know about you today, but today I'm rejoicing that Jesus doesn't envy anything. Because he's Jesus, he has everything. And we can go to him. That Jesus doesn't boast about anything. Although if anybody could boast, it's Jesus. But he took the position of a servant. Jesus isn't arrogant. Jesus isn't rude. Jesus isn't self-seeking. He said, not my will, but yours be done. He went to the cross, which is about the least self-seeking thing you could ever do. Jesus isn't easily angered, thank God. What does the, the Old Testament say over and over and over again? Numbers 14, 18, a great example of it. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving sin and rebellion. When you've asked his forgiveness, Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Can I get an amen? When, when you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he keeps no record of wrongs. Whew. If Psalm 103, verse 12, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's good news. That when you place your faith in Jesus Christ and you ask him to forgive you of your sins, he does. The record of sins, the account is canceled. Jesus doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices when the truth wins out. And the truth is, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you so much. And Jesus is calling you to love like he does. He never rejoices in evil, but he will always rejoice with the truth. He'll always rejoice when his people love a little bit more like he does and he shines through them just a little bit more. He'll always rejoice with the truth because he is the truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Because he is love. And that's what love is and isn't. Let's pray.